Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes creating a professional website for your business, personal brand or portfolio so easy it's newsworthy. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. The Guardian. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, Pete Perfides goes back to the future in another parallel history of pop. Plus singles from Young Romance, Movement and Home. That's all here on Music Weekly from The Guardian. We are graced with the presence of Tim Jones. Hello, Tim. Hello. You are uh, heading south by southwest? I am, yes. You're looking Next week. Uh, yeah. Do you go every year? Uh, I've been quite a lot recently. I've been, have you? This is like the fourth time in about six years. Do, have you seen, while you were there, hot new bands that have subsequently gone on to become huge? God, I must have done. I hope so, otherwise what's the point? I was going to say, you're wasting <laughs> our time. Every, you're wasting your own time, you're wasting uh, our time. Yes, wasting but the Guardian's I, money. I have, but... They are normally ones that you kind of get a feeling that they're going to do that yeah. anyway because yeah. because there's such a buzz around them. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's people like Odd Future or Grimes, mm. and you, you know that they're going to be big. So. Odd Future was the best show I've ever seen, possibly ever. Really? When, when I saw them. Wow. Uh, yeah. I Why was it so good? I think there was so much buzz around it and you were thinking, well, come on then, impress me a bit. Mm. Um, and, it was, and it was quite hard to get into, obviously, and people queuing around the block and mm. you, you thought, well, isn't... And also, live hip-hop, you always think, is it going to be actually that exciting? It, go, it always goes either. It's always, live hip-hop is yeah. only either amazing or terrible. There's Especially nothing. at that kind of an indie festival like that, you, you just don't really know what's going to happen. And then, um, oh, it was just, um, they were like climbing on the roof of the venue. Just, like, I've seen footage of this. Swan the barbecue place? Yes. Yes, I've seen footage of it online. I didn't it was, know you were there. It was insane, amazing. yeah. Other news this week. My favourite bit of news this week. Yeah. Liam Gallagher uh, reacting... <laughs> The news that uh, definitely maybe is being sort of released in deluxe, yeah. remastered form. Uh, he said, he said on Twitter, how can you remaster something that's already being mastered? <laughs> Let it be, LGXXX. How can you remaster something that's already been mastered? There's two letters there that are... Mm. Uh, <laughs> you imagine him sat at home. I picture the scene. Mid-80s, a bedroom in Burnage. Noel, Noel Liam is out there, Noel says. Our kid, you know, rewind that tape. Let's listen to Revolver by the Beatles again. <laughs> How can you rewind something that's already been wound? It's, you know. I would like to believe that Liam Gallagher is actually this incredibly erudite, intelligent human being who goes, you know, you can see him at a BDI rehearsal. And he goes, oh, you know. Time to don the mantle again. And just sort of suddenly turns into this idiot. But he, he is intelligent. He is clever. Yeah. He's got a very he's, he's got a very weird, unique kind of take on things. But he, he, he's sharp and quick in interviews and things. He's, he's, he's funny. Mm-hmm. And he knows he's being funny. So it is, he is interesting. Well, yeah, he's, he's not like an Oxbridge graduate in putting on an act. I think we can. Uh, He'd be brilliant if he was. We, we can Actually, just, every, you go to interview him and you you you, don't, you just hear him in the other room and he talks like David Mitchell. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, it's weird this uh, Oasis remaster though because everyone was gathered around for this 11 a.m. Yeah, last time we were here, uh, people were sort of. They, they, I think people thought Oasis were going to announce they were reforming. Yeah, people were saying that. But the, the other thing was, even if they weren't reforming, on the how can you reform something that's already been formed? <laughs> <laughs> 
Excellent. <laughs> um, Karen, uh, Justin Timberlake is the headline of V Festival. Yes. Are you looking forward to that? Is that a good thing? Yeah. Do you look forward um, to V every year? I imagine you do. I, every year, do, you? I do. Um, no, he's, that's exciting. I saw him, well, I saw his um, show after the Brits the year before last. Right. Um, Brixton, was it? I can't remember. I think so. And it was, yeah, it was pretty exciting. And that was, you know, to a bunch of, um, well, a lot of them were just sort of like media industry types. So to see him sort of outperforming for a festival crowd, I think is going to be pretty special um did you go when he played didn't he play at the uh former olympic wireless, thing? wireless. didn't you do that with jay-z yes did you go to yes that? i did go it's to obviously that. a hugely memorable gig <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing i did so many festivals last I know. Year. Oh, of course of course i forgot yeah of course you were at every festival going last year <laughs> yeah I've, I've repressed those memories a bit but yeah it, it was that was wicked uh david brent david brent on tour get your tickets now <laughs> Who's going to go and see that? Loads I reckon loads of people. <laughs> Humanity in crisis. People you don't want to... Yeah, this imagine, is why, imagine this is why the World kind of War III is happening. Yeah, it is, isn't We it? don't deserve... No, no, completely. Yeah, I don't, don't want to look down my nose at anybody. Uh, apart from people apart who are going to watch David Brent. Who are going to go to... What, is it arena vet? Is he playing big venues? Um, I think they were... He's not doing, like, King Tut's Wawa. <laughs> <laughs> Shackle well armed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Andy Burroughs from uh, X Razorlight is uh, in his band. Amazing! It's quite a yeah. quite a coup. <laughs> yeah, for, for Andy Burroughs. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I d- it gets better and better, doesn't it? Will it, will it, will it be funny? Do you think? Because I mean, it's one gag, isn't it? I mean, well, that's the, that's the thing. You know, D- David Brent was a funny character in his in his time. But yeah, it's so always a danger. I think it's like when the Mighty Bush mm. do. Uh, yeah, play the headline a festival. I mean, I, I confess, I've, never, I've only ever seen about two minutes of the Mighty Bush, so I don't really know would it be good live or not. But right. uh, I always think there's something about you know comedy, comedy albums, comedy songs, yeah, yeah, comedy. You know, it'll or, never be the new rock and roll. No no, how hard surely, trying. like their target audience are people who would be at a festival anyway. Whereas yes. I don't feel like David Brent's target audience. Well, but I mean, he's, 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 he's I mean, he's not. In fact, he's not playing festival. Like, is yeah. he? He's playing his own. He's playing King Tut's Wah Wah Hut. But um, well, so there you go. That's the that's the the news. Uh, <laughs> such as it stands. Um, let's move on. Time for singles clubs. Tim, your track first. <laughs> Uh, that's Like Lost by Movement. Uh, Tim, tell us about Movement. Well, I am aware that I've brought about 50 of these I was going to say, I wasn't going to bring it up because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. But I was like, have we or have we not heard this before? <laughs> I think what makes this slightly different, because obviously, yes, it's very... All modern music very... sounds the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what I liked about this was the the drums. And the rhythm mm-hmm. to it. Like, it, they're a three-piece band from Sydney, um, and I thought when I first heard it, I wasn't, I didn't like it when I first started listening to it, and I thought it was another kind of faceless mm. person behind their laptop with, mm-hmm. you know, a picture of 
like a sheep or something. <laughs> uh, so it was it was nice. Uh, it, it's good having. It feels like it's got life behind it. Like a lot of these records don't maybe, mm-hmm. and the the the, the drums are they're really strong, quite metronomic kind of. Yeah, I, I think so. It feels like it has a bit more um, going on. And also, you don't really hear bands making this kind of music, do you? I don't know. Do I you? Know. I don't know. Do, do there are other bands, gangs? Are they're a band, aren't they? I mean, that's yeah, a bit like yeah. This, I don't know. I mean, I, I, my feeling about it was, it was uh, I actually liked it. I thought it was a good record. Uh, but I do feel a bit like, you know, I'm kind of full of this now. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's de- I mean, yeah. It's like so, when... So do I, to be honest. It's but. like eating like a whole packet of Jaffa Cakes. I really like Jaffa Cakes. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I once did eat a whole packet of Jaffa Cakes. Um, and... Uh, I don't really know where this anecdote's going, but, I mean, uh, but you know, I, I, I am very much the sort of Peter Ustinov in terms of, uh, that comes, uh, of uh, popular music. No, I mean, I, you know, it's like eating a whole packet of Jaffa cakes. And, um, don't, don't repeat that. So it's repeating. Look, all right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Maybe you, you talk about me, me repeating myself. What are you repeating yourself? You bring something every time you come in. You bring I'm in something that sounds I'm, like I'm this. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, it's like eating Jaffa cakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's one of those things. It's nice. It's it's delicious, like a Jaffa cake. Um, but you know, soft with a creamy. No, I think a creamy centre, jelly centre. Um, but anyway, Kieran, what did you think of it? Yeah, I liked it. I liked those sort of lo-fi vocals that sound like they're recorded in a bath. And mm-hmm. it made me feel like... Well, it made me think about how difficult it must be for artists making music for a generation used to being instantly gratified with no attention span and with things like this, which are so achingly slow moving, it feels like really hard work. There's a lot of music like this. But that's an, inter- that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because we say that. Yeah. And you might expect, as a result of... Uh, you know, the short attention span, that everything would sound like, mm. like that music on Brass Eye, you know, when, uh, if, when you take cake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all the music yeah, sounds yeah, yeah, like yeah. on that. A bit like Rusty, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, what it sounds like. um, yeah, well, happy hardcore. But um, you think it would sound like that, but actually, if you think about this predominant modes of things like, and it's not just this, it's things like Drake or, yeah. or The Weeknd. That's why it's or, good though, because it forces you to take a minute and, and can, you know, and stop things and, uh, and slow down, doesn't it? I think that maybe that is, maybe there's a lesson in that. In this ever-changing world in which we're living, yeah, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, well, that's good. If you want to stop and take a minute, <laughs> um, light lost by movement is around and about now. Kieran, let us move on to your track. choice this week that's uh Hames, if i could change your mind remixed by mk mark kitchen uh that's right kieran uh um, tell us about it. why why have you brought this in uh well i know that this also feels a bit like oh more house but that's what everything feels a bit like at the moment so i guess it's kind of fitting um, yeah music yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But it is exciting. And um, yeah, Mark Kitchen, aka MK, uh, who obviously just had his number one with Storm Queen, 
um, has released this, and I thought it was kind of fitting. Storm Queen is Morgan Geist, isn't it? Yeah, but he remixed, he remixed it. it. Yes, he remixed it. Um, and he, yeah, I thought it was interesting because obviously Defected Records, who he signed to, are celebrating their fifteenth anniversary this year, and it feels like these sort of um, house tempos within deep house and sort of disco house tempos and. Um, all those things are penetrating chart music, but also they're adopting different kinds of female vocals, which they've done with Hey here, which I thought sounded quite nice. And it makes you think about, I think for me, who listens to a lot of um, dance music that has been sampled with R&B vocals, it's quite nice to hear something that sounds completely different um, and has those piano injections and all those different elements in this, even though it sounds incredibly 90s. It sounds incredibly 90s. I mean, I, I, my feeling about I like this record. Yeah. Uh, my feeling about this is, uh, there was a lot of things not unlike this in terms of vocals around the mid-90s. If you think about records like Your Love in Arms by Billy Ray Martin, yeah. and there was mm-hmm. a lot of kind of that sort of thing. Mark Kitchen appears to be like the sort of Billy Childish of house music, <laughs> insofar as he's basically doing exactly <laughs> the stuck, same stuck, thing stuck. now. Yeah, stuck, stuck. I mean, it, you know, but you know, in the same way that every kind of 10 years, someone goes, wow, Billy Childish is the true essence of rock and roll. And he's basically doing the same, you know, thing. Sounds like Alf Garnet from In The Who. You know, he doesn't really change what he's done. And this MK thing, mm. you know, I mean, obviously he was his biggest tune in the... Uh, in the nineties was the uh, the dub of doom of push the feeling on by nightcrawlers. Um, you you could mix that into this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I I feel sort of conflicted by it because I'll tell you one of the reasons I feel conflicted by it. I've been listening to a box set of uh, suburban bass records, which the label came from Romford's mm-hmm. ninety one to ninety seven. Put out hardcore and drum and bass. I was in some stuff on there, some sort of drum and bass records from about nineteen ninety four. I thought this just sounds like music from outer space. It's just like, I don't understand how it got to this point that this was what, you know, I was listening to a DJ hype track. And I think there's something sad and something lacking when dance music doesn't have that side to it. I want dance music, I think, increasingly. Mm. Not to feel comforted by it. I don't want it to be like Britpop. That's kind of the whole retromania thing, isn't it, Mm. of... Now dance music's looking back just in exactly the same way. It is absolutely looking back in exactly the same way. You know, and I mean, it seems a weird thing to do for me to say, well, there's this record that's mm. 20 years old and it sounds infinitely more modern. And you can see it's just the product of fixing your eyes forward. Do you know what I mean? And going, right, okay, you know, you used to make hardcore, it's moved into this other thing and it's become this incredibly abstract, weird music that totally rocks the dance floor. You know, I don't hear that. That much. I think there's this real divide in dance music at the moment between stuff that's kind of forward-looking mm. and a bit of a racket, mm. and stuff that and, and kind of abstract. I can't see how anybody dances to it. Mm. And maybe I sound like, like fifty million years old. And stuff that just sounds like old house records. Yeah, I agree. But this, the, you need stuff like this to sort of make the point that all sort of house at the moment isn't just shitty pop that you hear in the chart. But also, I think that there's something to be said about remix culture because with tracks like this this is basically someone who's been really excited about the original but thought oh you know I want to put I want to put my own sound on that I could do that better and so that's why I like remixes in in that respect because it feels like it's it's still new and it's still exciting I'm sorry now I'm now in an argumentative mood and I'm going to stop Go arguing on, with you well that's not that's a very idealistic view of what remix culture is it's somebody sitting there going I want to put my own stuff somebody's paid him a wedge of money because he's just had a number one to remix a fucking Hame track <laughs> you can't be cynical about DJs remixing or else you're just like bummed out all the time <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't doing it for the good of his health but I know I, I think <laughs> <laughs> MK sitting around, what should I do today? Oh, I know, I'll just remix Haim. Um, well, Haim Hi- uh, do have a very, um, uh, they do lend themselves well yes. to, to remixes. And there's other ones, isn't there? That they've, uh, Duke Dumont's yep. Fallen and various mm-hmm. ones. That have, I, that's how the only 
way I like listening to them, to be honest. I think I, I, I agree. I think the remixes are loads better than the original mm. tracks. I think yeah, that's, I that's very true. Um, it brings out, I think, the Heim write really good pop songs. You know, I think that's the that's the thing is that they write really good pop songs, and you can put a yeah. sort of a. Um, I would like anything with a piano. Yeah, big old piano riff. <laughs> piano. Uh, but also the fact that the only female vocal that works isn't doesn't just have to belong to R&B a belting stars diva. Yeah, Katie B. Yes, true, true, mm. true, true, true. Um, MK's remix of Haim, If I could change your mind, there. Uh, finally. Having made my point about how I want music to be forward-looking, <laughs> like nothing you've ever heard before in the past, prepare to have your minds blown. Here's my track. <laughs> That's Pale by Young Romance, uh, my choice of single this week. I am not ordinarily a huge fan of indie music that recalls indie music from the late 80s, the sort of pre-Stone Roses world of indie music. Um, Young Romance are a duo. It's a guy who plays guitar and a girl who sings and plays stand-up drums. She plays, you know, in the style of, of course, Maureen Tucker. Of course she does. Um, and, uh, <laughs> they look pretty much exactly like you'd expect. Mm-hmm. They also look about 12 years old, which is, is sort of fairly remarkable. So there's a lot of stuff. I kind of There's an element of me that thinks, well, you know, I, I, I listened to music like this a lot in the late 80s. And yet, I think this is just something really undeniable about this song. I think it's just a really, really good song. It's got a great tune. I love the fact that um, she hasn't made any sort of attempt in her vocal to kind of rough her voice up or anything like that. <laughs> she sounds really quite posh. Yeah. Um, which, I, I, there's something quite sort of refreshing about that, rather than trying to sound sort of classless or trying to sound, you know, mm. uh, more street than you are. I think it's it, it, the, the sound of the guitar is really chunky. I think it's just a good... Good tune. Um, apparently, they're very good live. I, I, a lot of people seem to. Uh, I mentioned this track on Twitter, and a lot of people went, "Yeah, I've seen them live. They're brilliant." They sound like they would be because it sounds fun. It does it? sound like fun, doesn't mm. it? Um, Tim. Yeah, well, when I saw the picture and the name Young Romance with a song called Pale, <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't think it'd have quite that much kind of bite to it. Mm. Like it's got like pixieish guitars, yeah. so it's not completely kind of Fay City no. Six. Although obviously, it does sound very kind of third on the bill at indie tracks it sounds like the shop assistant is what it sounds like with a slightly posh woman singing but that's alright yeah um, I have you know I always have a spot, spot for this kind of thing I can't say it particularly stood out amongst the kind of wave of this kind of stuff that's there's a lot of it about at the moment isn't there we're well, not at the moment actually it's a couple of years yeah. hence um, um, what, what's yeah. a better example of similar stuff like this that you prefer? vaccines I suppose are kind of well, that's like a com- very uh, is that that much like this? I don't know. I always saw them as so honed towards the mainstream. Mm. But. but I think the inputs, but but apparently they're not the inputs. The inputs aren't the same because I wrote this big piece about the vaccines going. They sound like the Groove Farm. I feel like they're too- but apparently they're, they're actually like hardcore punk or something. I think these the bands that make this kind of music. There's two kind of <clears throat> completely different schools. One is one is the kind that want to be in the enemy and. Mm 
do that kind of thing. The others always exist completely separate. And yeah. they, they, they only, they almost have their own, well, it's complete support. They do have their own yeah. self-supporting network. And, yeah. and the, yeah, then, the, you know, indie tracks is where they want to mm. mm. headline rather than, you know. Radio. I don't know where this fits in. It's it's put out, it's come out uh, on 7-inch, of course. Coloured vinyl 7-inch limited edition of 250. <laughs> uh, and it's a record shop, I think, that's put it out. I think it's Banquet Records. Um, Kieran, did you like this? Yeah, I did like it. Excellent. I liked it. I thought it was yeah, I thought it was really fun, and I liked her vocal <clears> juxtaposed <throat> against that really um, sort of tough guitar riff. Mm-hmm. And I thought that there were people that I wouldn't mind hanging out with. I think in in, in <laughs> it also in in um, in mitigation of saying oh it sounds like a C eighty six record. It's also probably a record that couldn't have existed had the White Stripes not existed. I think there's an element of mm-hmm. sort of way it's produced and the sound and all that kind of thing. Anyway, Pale by Young Romance. You can hear that on SoundCloud, and they're touring quite soon, I think, as well. Uh, let's move on. That Singles Club. Pete Perfides has been in touch again, having voyaged around his attic in search of old music magazines. This week, he's on his way back to nineteen eighty three with nothing but a copy of Smash Hits to show him the way. Hello, I'm Pete Perfides, and you're listening to my parallel history of pop, which this week alights on the year 1983, as seen through the pages of Smash Hits magazine. The cover is Paul Weller and his new protégé, Tracy. She's the teenage prodigy on whose shoulders uh, rests the launch of Paul's new Respond label uh, with the release of her debut single, The House That Jack Built. The cover goes, he was looking for a young singer, and here she is. And uh, if you look just below the picture, in a, in a quirk of happenstance, the cover also alerts us to the presence of a free giant wham poster, which alongside George and Andrew free features Paul's future wife, DC Lee, as well as, of course, Shirley, who uh, in later years would marry Martin Kemp of Spandau Ballet. I know too much about this era. I need to empty some of this out and put something a bit more useful in. Anyway, let's scoot to the start section on page four, where we can read a, a Q&A interview with Jeremy Healy. In years to come, Jeremy would become one of those uh, so-called superstar DJs. But at this moment in time, he has dreads and he's in Hazy Fantasy, uh, famous for hits such as John Wayne is Big Leggy and Shiny Shiny. Anyway, this Q&A starts off impressively. Asked about his first record, Jeremy says he bought The Return of Django by The Upsetters when he was just seven. That's cool, isn't it? Bobby Gillespie would be jealous. I think he only bought his first Lee Perry record when he was nine. I don't know why I bought it, he says. It's a good record, though. Thanks, Jeremy. Then it all goes slightly tits up when he tells us that his first show that he went to see was David Bowie at the Hammersmith Odeon in 1973. I didn't like it, he says. You couldn't really believe him. It was too hammy. There you go. Moving on to page seven. There it is, page seven. Lavish three pages devoted to readers' questions interview with individual members of Duran Duran. Selected highlights include Beverly Willis of Gateshead. She wants to know if Zandra Rhodes is Nick Rhodes' sister. Uh, uh, to, to which Nick uh, replies, No, but I've got a cat called Sebastian. 
Miranda from Weymouth has a classic smash hits question for Roger. Do you pick the white stringy bits off oranges before you eat them? Roger is emphatic in his response. No, I don't. They add an important flavour to the orange. It's a nice contrast. He also adds that he likes satsumas because they're easy to peel and have no pips. A very uh, salient portent of the rise to prominence of the satsuma in ensuing decades. Not forgetting, of course, the clementine. Amanda Farnsworth from Shipley asks John Taylor which character he'd most like to play in Dallas. John, John's answer is nothing if not detailed. He says Bobby is the is the best of a bad lot. Uh, Cliff Barnes is a bit of a rat and so is JR. Uh, if Bobby is becoming one too, says John, it's only because of the pressure he's going through. Perhaps John Taylor re- relates to Bobby Ewing because he's probably under a certain amount of pressure to be the most dreamy pop star in Britain, uh, which of course he was at that time. Joanne Firth of Glasgow wants to know who would be the recipient of John's last Rolo. Uh, John doesn't like Rolos, implausibly. He says he likes Thornton's Continental. You can take the boy out of Solihull, but you can't take Solihull out of the boy. He can't afford them very often, he says. Unlikely story. Moving swiftly on. Here's an advert. We're advertising uh, Nick Hayward's debut solo single. Uh, he's gazing into the mid-distance on this ad for his new single, Whistle Down the Wind, uh, which, as I recall, was a song written for Haircut 100's second album. But he uh, took it with him when he left the band. In pre-internet times, one of the few ways you could get an answer to some pressing factual pot-related query was to write to... Uh, Linda Duff, sadly no longer with us, before she became a gossip columnist for the Daily Star, and she would edit the Get Smart page, and people would... There was no internet, so you had to write to her for the answers to pressing questions such as that of Christine Bennett, who wanted to know the name of Elvis Costello's dad, as her teachers had been arguing about it. It was Ross McManus, of course. And Kev Mosley from Wembley wants to know what the titles of the two singles were that Aztec Camera released before signing to Rough Trade. They, of course, just like gold was the first one, and I'm only mentioning it because I hope we might play a segment of it because it's beautiful. And then Mattress of Wire was the other one, which you could still get from Rough Trade for a bargain £1.55. I think it's worth quite a lot more now. Page 14 pays host to an interview with Big Country, who've been famous for about two minutes at this point. Um, Smash Hits have yet to start routinely referring to the group's drummer, Mark Brzezicki, as Mark Unpronounceable Name, which they did regularly for at least three years. Present for the interview is Mark's dog, which writer Johnny Black describes as looking like a cross between a Kajagoogoo wig and a pound of beef sausages. <laughs> Johnny is treading on shaky ground here. Uh, when I interviewed folk singer June Table for The Guardian and described her dog as slightly overweight, I received a very angry phone call from her asking if I would think of using the same word to describe someone's child. We also learn that the band's current hit, Fields of Fire, is comprised of some thoughts that Stuart had on a train journey. 
one which lasted 400 miles, I presume. see what we have here on the news pages 31 years later can yield interesting information such as this a snippet tells us that the b-side of madness's new single tomorrow's just another day is a new down at heel version of the same song by elvis costello i didn't know that there's also an interview with rising hit makers kissing the pink who had it well they only had one hit actually they had a hit with last film and uh, they're interviewing John Hall from the group. Uh, he's asked if he has any messages for the readers of Smash Hits. He does have one, apparently. He says, my bum's getting bigger and I don't know what to do about it. Moving on. What are we... Oh, this is exciting. A competition to win 10 Soundburger record players. And less excitingly, 50 Thompson Twins albums. Ever wish you had a record player that's every bit as portable as a small cassette machine? Ever hankered after a machine capable of open-air platter spinning useful for beach parties? In 1983, Sandberger would have cost you £90. It's an odd thing if to look at it, actually, because it looks flimsier in the picture than it really is. Uh, this much I know, because I bought one last year for quite a bit more than £90. Also making waves in 1983 was Bonnie Tyler, who'd had a hit with Total Eclipse of the Heart, got to number one with that, which was it seemed very weird, because it was about five years since she'd had her last hit and suddenly Jim Steinman was producing her. And um, she reveals in this interview that she approached Jim to work with her on account of the fact that she, he was the nearest she could get to having Phil Spector produce her. On to this week's singles, David Hepworth is reviewing and he's very complimentary about the Star Council's debut single. Uh, he says it's a refreshing change from the choppiness of songs like Town Called Malice. That single, of course, is Speak Like a Child. David's less enamoured of the overly strained chorus of Duran Duran's Is There Something I Should Know? Talk Talks, My Foolish Friend, writes David. Uh, it, it, well, this is what he says. He says, Oh, the pain of being a member of Talk Talk. The starched shirts, the meaningful expressions, the dry ice, the anguish, the adenoids, not to mention the snide reviews. As for Altered Images, new sophisticated direction with Don't Talk To Me About Love, David is approving, although you can't immediately tell. He says it's something that veers from the nonchalance of Blondie into something you can imagine the Nolans formation dancing to. He says that's meant to be a compliment. And finally, on the singles page, Hindsight tells us that New Order managed to overcome David's withering appraisal of Blue Monday, of which he writes, it had to happen. Uh, New Order have dumped moody, repetitive guitars in favour of moody, repetitive synth and a drum kit with a pronounced stutter. I stuttered when I said st I didn't mean to do that. 
After the uh, first 20 seconds or so, he says it starts to cause a tense, nervous headache. And uh, among the albums coming out this week are The Hurting, the debut album by Tears for Fears, uh, two young Teardrop Explodes fans who were signed by Mercury A&R Dave Bates after he lost patience with the existing Teardrop Explodes and all the drugs they were taking. Well, one of them in particular. Fred Della reviewing Tears for Fears' debut album declares, Fear no sneers, just cheers for fears. <laughs> uh, Def Leppard's Pyromania is also out, and that gets 7 out of 10 from Mark Steele's. But Mark is uh, slightly less impressed with Marillion's script for a jester's tear. Preposterously pretentious, highly derivative, the Loon Pant revival starts here, he says. Marillion are going to be big, which means that there's a lot more Tolkien-reading Genesis fans than we feared. And he was right, there were loads of Tolkien reading Genesis fans. They're still around with us, I, th- I suspect. On to the cover story. It's an interview with Paul Weller about his new label, Venture Respond. But soon he's off on one, casting an eye on chart rivals such as Duran Duran. He can't leave Duran Duran alone. They're just Tory groups, he says. If Margaret Thatcher was in a band, she'd have been in a band like that. That does seem a bit far-fetched, but then, on the other hand... If you look at that picture of David Cameron and Boris Johnson with their pals in the Bullingdon Club, the resemblance to the sleeve of Seven and the Ragged Tiger is quite eerie. Also, in this week's Smash Hits, there's an interview with Animal Nightlife, the sort of band you imagined only existed on the pages of The Face or Blitz in the early 80s and are hailed as exponents of something called Bolshevik style. Leather boots, red stars, Russian peasant outfits. Uh, We go on to the letters page, and now here's a chilling reminder of what passed for entertainment in 1983. This letter goes, Imagine the scene, I stagger in from a hard day's slog and collapse in a chair in front of the telly. What I then hear is enough to make me run from the room screaming. What is Karen L. Shirley referring to? She's talking about mini-pops. In her words, skinny little kids plastered in makeup, running around in leotards, crucifying good pop songs. Worse still, my sister and her friend have the record which they put on full blast. It's weird to think that Channel 4 used to show mini pops. In some ways, the station has kind of come full circle, really, hasn't it? Claire O'Shea of Pontypridd has a point, I think, when she writes about OMD's new single, Genetic Engineering. She says, doesn't it remind you of the magic roundabout? (laughs) It really does. That's what I like about it. All of which brings us, sadly, to the end of this whistle-stop tour through the pop landscape of 31 years ago, as seen through the pages of Smash Hits. I'm Pete Perfides. Thank you for coming to 1983 with me. That's Peep Feeders with another Parallel History of Pop. And that's it for this week. My thanks to Tim. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's because we just listened to that meek song. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us your thoughts at theguardian.com forward slash musicweekly where you will also find links to all the singles club tracks. Kira and I will be back next week. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye. Bye. 
Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today. No credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.